Welcome to Ultiverse OQ, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're covering... Ultimate X-Men and more Ultimate Spider-Man. A lot of Ultimate Spider-Man. I've got us down for covering five stories for Ultimate Spider-Man this week. Yes. So we hope you like this gift that we got you about the Spider-Man who's just more the normal Spider-Man. Because I don't think you're going to be happy with our X-Men. Truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ultimate X-Men is... Ultimate X-Men is going through some growing, changing pains. Like, this feels a lot more like the stereotypes of the Ultimate Universe coming into play more than anything we've read so far, mm-hmm. except maybe Ultimates has. And it's by Brian K. Vaughn, a writer who is generally well-regarded. Oh, yes. Uh, but yes, first we're covering Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, numbers 46 through 49, written by Brian K. Vaughn, with art by Brandon Peterson, colors by Justin Panzor, with letters by Chris Eliopoulos. So the X-Men, Angel and Nightcrawler, surprise Jean-Paul Bobier, who was looking off of a ledge because they thought he was going to kill himself. They tell him that he's a mutant, and he notes that he now has to deal with this alongside realizing that he is gay. And when they try and recruit him for the Xavier School, he says he doesn't want to segregate himself for safety, especially because Beast did that and he got murdered. And then he runs off with his super speed, leaving them alone. Meanwhile, Emma Frost is frustrated with Xavier's complete personality change after the loss of Beast as he watches Wolverine and Colossus fight in a violent slugfest in the Danger Room. And he, like, refers to all of the students with their mutant names, which is weird. And it was like, yeah, I'll be back when you stop being really, really written Xavier. And so she takes Alex with her back to Chicago until he gets to shift Dehumanizing the children. Aw, yeah. Yeah. I I like that they call it out, but it's just one of the many things that feels off about this. Like Xavier just doing a complete flip. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if Xavier did this every time he lost a mutant? He'd be really just... Changing personalities very often. Maybe that's why he had David the way he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scott, instead of talking to his brother, enters into his wargaming fantasy world called Corsair with Gene, and they spend some time together while Kitty yells at Bobby for freezing the pool so he could teach Rogue how to ice skate. Kitty goes to try uh, to try and get into a room to find that Storm has given herself a new punk hairdo. Though it's not really punk, it's more goth. Yeah, it's not the classic 80s one that we've come to love. Yeah, it's not a good look. John Paul, meanwhile, is walking the streets when a mysterious tattooed man in a tank top stops him and commands him to stand still so he can shoot him in the heart as he introduces himself as Mr. Sinister. The bullet is seemingly stopped, though, by Gene, who explains that he was able to prevent... Uh, by Jean, who explains that he was able to prevent the bullet from hitting his heart, and he's actually no, that, that's Gene. 
uh, like it looks like Jean has stopped the bullet, but she's actually in his memory. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you were able to move fast enough to avoid the bullet hitting your heart, so you're just comatose. He explains that he was able to prevent the bullet from hitting his heart. He's actually just comatose in a hospital and was the only survivor of five attacks on mutants. He wakes up. John Paul asks if Colossus is single before Jean makes Colossus leave with her. Jean isn't allowing mutants to ship. Nope. Meanwhile, Wolverine contaminates the investigation site of another murder to go and sniff a bullet. Back at the mansion, Cyclops is aggressively running a war game that ends when Kitty uses her phasing powers in a way that if they were dealing with an actual bomb would have destroyed all of Westchester. Xavier, meanwhile, has reached out to Fury about Sinister, which he's having trouble with because Xavier can't detect him. And because Sinister has just been killing with a handgun, Fury's like, yeah, I can't do anything about this. And also, he's not showing up on our shield technology. And Storm still dealing badly with her breakup with Beast and Beast's subsequent death. Uh, she talks to Nightcrawler, and he convinces her to come into the meeting at the McCoy Memorial Hall, which uh, Xavier put up pretty quickly, it feels like. It's made out of breadsticks. He used the Fatoni uh, construction company. Xavier declares that the mutants aren't allowed to leave the school ground, but Wolverine's like, hey, bub, we should try and catch Sinister. And Xavier decides to allow the senior class, which is everyone except for Angel, Kitty, Rogue, Bobby, and Dazzler to hunt for Sinister with Jean and Nightcrawler, Cyclops and Colossus, and then Wolverine and Storm all breaking into teams, which Colossus is not a fan of because he wanted to pick teams himself. Meanwhile, Sinister is alerted by the approach by the mysterious Lord Apocalypse, who says that they will now be able to get the last six mutants that he needs to kill to complete his transformation. Dun, dun, dun. But at the school, Xavier is having students run drills against the brood until Dazzler comes in drunk, interrupting everything. Meanwhile, Jean and Nightcrawler are interrupted by Roberto da Costa, Sunspot, who thinks they're the murderer, and when they explain that they're the X-Men, he essentially tells them to fuck right off. Cyclops and Colossus, meanwhile, get caught fighting the Russian mob, who they were trying to find if they were the gun's source, and when Cyclops is caught, he learns his optic blast me bounced off of Colossus, saving him. Storm and Wolverine, meanwhile, talk about punks pushing people away so that they don't get hurt, and Wolverine stops to check out a tattoo pyre to find out if Sinister's tattoos uh, with threat, tr- tries to find out more about Sinister's tattoos using threats of violence. The tattoo artist quickly gives up Sinister's address, and inside they find a mannequin of Apocalypse, and Wolverine realizes that Sinister is going after Xavier and the young mutants back at the mansion. So, you know what comes out this week, Devin, that I am excited for? Oh, what, Luke? Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Oh, yeah. I am excited, and I pre-ordered that, and I thought about it, because Cyclops bouncing Optic Blast off Colossus. Nice. Yeah, I've already got it downloaded, so I'm just waiting to play now. I might pick that up at some point. Do you have a Switch? My roommate does. Ah. Yeah, I 
got four of the uh, Nintendo passes that they did for that deal where it's like you pay $100 and you get two game passes so you're essentially saving money. Oh, nice. And then there was another deal on Newegg where you could buy uh, a discounted Nintendo Game Pass so you'd get even more, uh, so you'd save even more points and then all the games that you buy end up translating into Nintendo Club points, so. I'm a smart shopper. Yeah, look at you, Luke. I know. I also bought the Dragon Quest uh, Builders game, and the first one isn't good, but I've heard good things about the second one, so I might go and get that. Nice. My roommate bought Super Mario Maker 2. I, I'm not good at platforming games, so I didn't really enjoy the first one that much beyond the thrill of, oh, I'm going to make some dumb things and then I'm going to scan in all my amiibos. Ah. That's fair, then. In the only good moment of this arc, according to me, Sinister tosses Professor Xavier down the stairs after sneaking into the mansion, and he there's just that great full-page splash of him saying stairs, which... It's great. It's, not, it's a great, awful moment. As we've talked about how much I disliked uh, Dark Phoenix, the to me the best part of the entire film was when Gene forces Xavier to walk up those flight of stairs. In a scene that I thought was hysterical, which I don't think was supposed to have been. I I caught the horror of it, but I think we came in with like very different opinions into that movie. It's fair. And like different expectations. Yeah, apparently the stairs was a you're the man now dog meme. Nice. Where it was just played with a chiptune version of Axel F. <laughs> uh, so Sinister prepares to kill Xavier, but the mutants take him by surprise. Angel prepares to attack, but uh, Sinister makes him start choking himself until Dazzler, singing the talking heads, comes in and takes him by surprise. Before she can kill him, though, he pulls a knife on her, and Rogue threatens to shoot Sinister with one of his own guns for killing Bobby, which is something she thought he did until she finds out that Bobby is still alive. Angel tries to stop Rogue, touches her, she grows wings, and then steals away with Sinister into the sky. She plans to drop him, but Storm shows up and asks him to... and asks her to spare him. And Storm gives him some weak eye-for-an-eye stuff, and so Rogue just punches him out instead, and honestly, he's a mutant he is a serial killer of mutants, so I think murdering would be kind of justified in this mm-hmm. case. Uh, yeah, Maybe it, Rogue's fingers slipped? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe she accidentally tried to spike him. Uh, so S.H.I.E.L.D. comes in and picks him up and IDs him as Nathaniel Essex, a Oscorp bioengineer from Nowlands, who essentially, like, Gave himself the stealth boy madness from Fallout mm-hmm. until he went mad. And uh, Xavier confesses that he needed it. And Xavier confesses that he needs to get back to working to bring his students into the world where they're going to be living instead of segregating them. And then at the Triskelion, a real vision of Apocalypse, not just the weird mannequin, shows up to Sinister, angry that he failed and tells him to choke himself. 
it's not a good comic. Like, I, I don't know what they were trying to do here. Yeah, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Uh... I, I think eventually we get some more stuff that tries to explain it, but you don't turn a fancy glam goth into a murder hobo. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, Mr. Sinister is one of the cool X-Men villains. Mm-hmm. And we then move on to Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, numbers 60 through 64, written by Brian Michael Bendis, along with all of these stories, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Scott Hanna, and John Dell, with colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And this team did all the other issues we were going to cover, though Chris Sotomayor joins on 68 and 69. Nice. nice. Dr. Kirk Connors, still haunted by a stint as the lizard, and with Stark International looking for progress, is having a really rough time. Spider-Man, who just got done fighting the Gladiator, a man with battle armor and an obsession with Nurachi, who might be a 16th century Chinese emperor, stops by the lab looking for medical attention after getting chopped up by Gladiator, and almost pursued by the police until they were stopped by Captain Jean de Wolf. Connors patches Peter up as... He is also starting to get a cold, and Connors, meanwhile, left with Spider-Man's DNA and begins to examine it. Peter gets a full fever and is stuck at home. Ben Riley, Connors' lab assistant, comes in to find that Connors never left the lab and didn't put away the Spider-Man sample and is impressed with it. Connors calls the sick Peter to come in and ask for permission to experiment on Peter's DNA while promising to keep the source secret, since it could lead to the cure for numerous diseases. Peter relents with the promise that he can help people. And it is interesting, because this is the only appearance that we get of Ultimate Gladiator, who's a weird character. Mm-hmm. And also, I've never... I, I realized this morning when I was driving back and reflecting on the story, because this is our first appearance of Jean de Wolf. Was the normal Jean de Wolf in the comics a dude? No. Oh, okay. No, it was a woman. Okay. Ranch. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't remember a lot of it except, like, in the slot run where, like, the fake ghost of Jean de Wolf came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because she got, like, murdered in, like, that. the 80s. Yeah, and then nothing stays forgotten in comics unless it's unpopular. Yes. Like, the murder of Jean de Wolf is a really big Spider-Man yes. story. Yes, a good one, too. So, two months pass, and Spider-Man stops the Punisher and Boomerang and leaves them webbed up before heading back to Connor's lab since he got cut again. Peter and Connor's catch up before Connor's is able to show his... Er, uh, Peter and Connor's catch up for a bit, but Peter has to go... Er, but Connor's has to go before he can show Peter the experiments they've been working on. Uh, but Connors actually goes to go check on Ben Riley and their experiment, a little living red creature they call Lil Ben. Aww. Which, Devin, you know what? What? Is gonna be Lil Ben. So much Lil Ben. <laughs> little Ben will be our episode title. Or there's going to be Little Ben. In the morning, when... 
Big Ben comes back and they find that Lil Ben is missing. And the security guard at the school has been found dead and drained of his fluids. Meanwhile, Gwen finds MJ at the mall working on her new part-time job. The two catch up, talk about life, and uh, like they actually hit it off in a way that they haven't had the time to before. And meanwhile, elsewhere in the city, Lil Ben continues to feed. Connors returns to the lab and is questioned by the police about the murder and realizes something is up. Gwen, meanwhile, is heading home when little Ben finds her, since it has been accessing Peter's memories as part of the DNA, because sure. And it ends up killing her. Aunt May finds her later and calls Peter, who was at work, and who rushes home without even changing into his Spider-Man costume, swinging webs along the way. The police officer starts questioning too much and may tells them off before talking to Jean D. Wolf. And Peter hears about how other bodies got drained. And I remember like when I was reading this in trades and that Gwen Stacy death. It's not telegraphed before. You just get to this point where you are like, oh I'm glad it Gwen and MJ are becoming more friends and they've talked about like Peter and like how they want to become friends outside of just knowing and bam each other through people. You're dead. Yeah, it is devastating. Like it is a murder done well by little mm-hmm. Ben. Very much so. May May meanwhile reaches out to Gwen's mother, who refuses to help, and then the two go to stay with the Watsons for the night. MJ talks about how she had talked to Gwen earlier, and Peter regrets being unable to do anything and has visions of his enemies attacking, and then relates the other murders at Empire States that they were mentioned. He finds Connors outside his house and starts beating the hell out of him, demanding answers, and Connors tells him about Lil Ben and how they use some of the symbiote notes and how he came, uh, came to warn Peter about it. That's when, to make things worse... Lil Ben appears and tries to replicate Peter before realizing it can't, and then it attacks. Peter tells Connors to get to the lab ready to kill it, and Peter and Lil Ben fight across New York City as it tries to feed on more people, eventually making a more human form. When Connors gets in, he finds Peter waiting, who tells him how it came for him and his perfect DNA, and it looked just like his father. Peter ended up tossing it into the industrial fire pit, and then came to tell Connors... Peter considers getting his revenge, but stops, and Connor turns himself into the police. Peter then tells MJ he's going to give up being Spider-Man, and Ben Riley steals a Parker sample before the lab is shut down. R.I.P. little Ben, who was killed in the same fire pit that has been used before. Mm-hmm. Like that whole fiery smokestack. Thank God for all the dangerous industrial places that Peter can toss away his problems. Right? But uh, I think we need to do our memorial for both Gwen and Little Ben. I will remember you. Will you remember me? Don't let Spider-Man toss you into flames. Or let Little Ben drain your fluid.
would then have another one of those famous Bendis breather issues uh, in Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, number 65. You want to do this one? Yes. Peter, MJ, Liz Allen, Flash Thompson, and Kong are all stuck in attention, and when Flash starts being a jerk, we found out how they ended up here. When Peter and MJ were cleaning Gwen's locker, they found that she had a picture of the three of them together. Flash shows up and is an ass, saying Peter did a great job washing her. So MJ assaults the hell out of Flash with a book and starts beating on him as he fell on top of Kong. Peter and Liz try to get her to stop, and Peter ends up elbowing a teacher who had tried to stop them. MJ figures out that Flash actually just had a huge-ass crush on Gwen Stacy, wanted to ask her out, and wanted advice from Peter. And that's why he's been being weird this entire time. I, yeah, I, I had forgotten that was why he was doing things. And so, oh, I, I remember. Yeah. But yes, Flash leaves in the huff. Three hours pass and Kenny tries to defend Flash and Peter's frustrated about people defending assholes and preventing them from having consequences. While good people have to suffer and Kenny asks him what kind of person he is. And he replies, nothing. And MJ asks him what kind of person Spider-Man is. And he leaves to go to the roof. Peter explains he feels like he sees how bad things are and how they won't change, while MJ believes it will because of people like him, but Peter still leaves. While he's running, he sees a woman being mugged and puts on a quick disguise, beats them up, and tells them to do better and apologize. And the woman thanks him, but he still just can't deal. And he specifically beats up the muggers, which I just realized there is ambiguity in the outline that I wrote. He beats up the woman, tells her to be better, and she apologizes. And says she will not get mugged in the future. Oh, she won't get mugged again. Do, 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 do. It's an an interesting breather episode. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel Peter's words about being upset about the lack of consequences when people are assholes just because... I'm looking around at this awful world that we are in where people are not having consequences for doing things. No one has consequences for doing things. That are We then move on to Ultimate Spider-Man 66 through 67. Wolverine wakes up in Peter Parker's body without realizing initially as he tries to figure things out when MJ asks him to uh, go to school with her. Uh, they try and kiss, and he has some bad ideas. Peter, meanwhile, wakes up in Wolverine's body and almost instantly stabs himself in the arm. Wolverine, deciding that he wants to skip school, tells MJ that he's going to go back to being Spider-Man before Aunt May tells him that the Daily Bugle is calling for him, but it is actually Peter. Peter tells Wolverine that he needs to go to school, and then slices the phone, cuts off a finger, and runs off because this is disaster. Peter Parker and Wolverine's body. Wolverine distracted by high schoolers, which is still very creepy because he's at least in his fifties or whatever. Uh, just Wolverine should not. I I I absolutely hate this aspect of Wolverine, or specifically Ultimate Wolverine, where he's just a big old creep about high schoolers and. They just keep 
getting younger and I stay the same age because of my mutant healing. Uh-huh. <sighs> Anyways, MJ is suspicious, but gives Peter the new but gives Wolverine the new costume that she had made. A police officer tries to catch him for being outside of class. Wolverine tries to climb up the wall, loses his grip, and then falls on the police officer, knocking him out. And before he can kill the officer, Peter shows up to stop him from killing as they try and figure things out, learn a bit more about how to use each other's powers, and Wolverine has to go to class. He immediately tries to leave, but is stopped by the teacher. And later on, when a shootout happens with the police, Peter tries to intercept, which causes uh, multiple cars to go flying. And before the second issue, we get Bendis blaming the story idea on Nick Lowe, the assistant editor. It was also one of the cartoon series had this storyline, too. But I think that came out Probably. after this. Peter gets up surrounded by the police and tries to de-escalate things, which doesn't work. Wolverine tries to stop him before from being arrested, and Peter tells him to put on the costume. Peter ends up in jail and calls Xavier, where Kitty is on the other line. He tries to explain things before he chops the phone on accident again and then is electrocuted. Wolverine, meanwhile, puts on the mask and the web shooters and slowly, through mistakes, makes his way to the jail, gets Peter shot in the head, and then has Peter escape from the jail. The pair start to argue and then try to figure out what happened, and when they find Shocker robbing a bank, they knock him out before the X-Men appear and Jean explains that she did this because Wolverine kept hitting on her and she warned him, so she swapped his mind into the place he least wanted to be. See, she switches them back, and when Peter gets home, he apologizes to MJ, who says she's interested in something he'd try to do in the morning when they get older. What do you think it was? Probably knitting or something. Well, you know what I think it is? What, Luke? I think she tried to get... Or I think he tried to get her to take the morning train to work from 9 to 5 and then uh, he takes another home again to find me waiting for him. Uh, Sheeta Easton's song 9 to 5, a.k.a. Morning Train, is a certified baller and it is a mega great earworm that just happened to coincidentally come out the same time as the Dolly Parton song. 9 to 5, which was a much bigger hit and overshadowed the Sheena Easton song. Interesting. Uh, I I am Also, it's probably underage teen drinking. I think she was going to try and get him to sign up for an IRA account. When we're older... She was going to try and get him to take out a safety deposit box that was in his name, but he couldn't do it because he is underage. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I learned about that this morning from watching Veronica Mars. We then have Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, number 68 through 69. Nice. Uh, where Chris Sotomayor joins on coloring for an issue. At the Baxter Building, Sue Storm makes her brother Johnny agree to graduate high school before they can go public as superheroes, just in case they lose their powers and need something to fall back on. Johnny ends up getting assigned to Peter's school, and when he gets there, Kong tries to go Peter into a fight by tripping him. As they try and break things up, Flash ends up saying that MJ is not a quality person, and Peter has to stop her from fighting him. I like that MJ is ready to throw down. 
MJ needs oh, to yeah. Absolutely. MJ should have gotten all of Gwyn's knives. Meanwhile, they Liz probably haven't read the will yet. Probably. Meanwhile, Liz is interested in Johnny Storm, thinking he is a mysterious new student, and asks MJ to talk to him for her. Johnny, meanwhile, is under surveillance, where if he uses his powers, uh, Reed will get alerted, and he tells him not to use his powers, or else he'll end up like Spider-Man. Hated by the press, but Johnny loves Spider-Man. MJ talks to Johnny after rambling for a bit, and tells him where he can go and meet up and hang out with Liz after school. After school, MJ and Peter meet up and decide to go to a fancy date at the Tavern on the Green, which is an actual restaurant. And I looked up the prices, and it wasn't necessarily as bad as I thought. But also, it's it's a five-star restaurant, so you got five-star restaurant prices. But, like, for New York, I mean, the prices are pretty reasonable for a fancy they're, place. They're high schoolers, Luke. Mm-hmm. They can't afford the super high end. No, but, I mean, it wasn't, like, a $200 a plate type situation. It's like twenty to thirty dollars for average things, and then if you're going to get like steak or like fresh seafood, you're paying market price for that. Oh, of course, yeah. always got to pay market price. Yeah, but it, it, like I'm saying, it's not like a place where you have to pay forty dollars for truffle mac and cheese. Fair. Uh so. Liz comes over, saying that she has made group dates for all of them to go to Rockaway Beach, Far Rockaway, as a group. And so they, along with Kenny, uh, meet up, hang out at the beach with some other teens that night around a campfire. And when the conversation turns to Spider-Man, because that's what their school is famous for, Johnny moves to defend Spider-Man and then catches on fire and ignites as a human torch. Liz and the others run off, leaving behind Peter, MJ, and Johnny, who leaves after asking them to apologize to Liz for him. When Johnny gets back to the Baxter building, he is upset and decides he's just going to have to drop from the school. And meanwhile, Liz is getting picked on as the story about what happened at the party spreads. Peter finds Johnny outside and wants to talk to Liz, who left, and Peter and MJ find uh, out more about Johnny, but he can't say anything, but he's upset about what happened, and MJ explains how Liz is mutant-phobic and thought she may have lit Johnny on fire. Johnny leaves, asking them to leave a message that he'd like to meet her later to talk, and that he thought she was super cool and super cute. I do like how long they're leading that tale with Liz having fire powers. Mm-hmm. Because I remember eventually she is like this universe's version of Firestar and her like uncle is Pyro. Yes. I thought that was a good build up too. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're still maybe 10 or 20 issues away from it happening because isn't it like they have another beach party and then she gets caught on fire the exact same way? I think so. MJ, knowing Liz won't go to him, tells him to visit Johnny as Spider-Man, which he does. They get to talking and chilling out. Spider-Man realizes Johnny's related to Sue, whose work he's read, and then they see a fire going on, and they work together to evacuate people, and Johnny learns that he can absorb fire. After saving everyone and being chased off by the police, Johnny tells Spider-Man to swing by when they go public. It's 
also just a really weird thing because it's like they save people from the fire and then they go back to the park and the police show up so they have to run off again and it's just a very strange way to lay that out i feel like it's a oh we accidentally drew this page the wrong way so bendis we need you to solve it through scripting Uh our last story is in spider-man 70 through 71 Peter meets MJ at the Tavern on the Green, quickly realizing how expensive things are, and MJ asks him what happened earlier. Ignoring how weird she is acting, Peter tells about how Gwen's desk was empty, gave him anxiety, and so he went Spider-Manning and helped the Ultimates defeat Deathlock, who's a Terminatory cyborg, and he was asked to leave after and went to work feeling underappreciated. Jameson called Peter to tag along with Ben Urich, for a interview piece on Doctor Strange, who, if you forgot, in the Ultimate Universe, he is still sort of the son of the normal Doctor Strange setup, but his dad disappeared, and so he became a celebrity who was still learning magic. Peter felt weird since he thought he had met Doctor Strange before, which he did, and I reviewed, and he did not get his memory wiped or anything. But, uh... Yeah. It's, it's weird. But uh, when Peter and Ben Yurik arrived, Wong turned them away, saying that Doctor Strange was busy, and Yurik left not wanting to bring Peter back to Queens. Uh, Peter switched into Spider-Man's, uh, into his Spider-Man outfit, and saw Wong doing weird stuff to Doctor Strange. He thought Wong was evil, so he leapt into the Sanctum Sanctorum, and MJ reveals that he never actually left, and he is in a dream, or maybe even... A nightmare. <gasps> Hello, it's me, Neil Gaiman. And I'd like to let you know this is not one of my stories with my favorite man, Sandman. Morpheus, King of Dreams. This is about another tall, pasty white man with black hair. His name is Nightmare. He is not my Sandman. This has been the Neil Gaiman alert for whether or not something is Sandman. Now go back to your regular story, loves. Oh, words. Bye, Str- Neil. Strange wakes up, finds Wong unconscious, and helps to free him from Peter's webs. Wong concludes that Peter is stuck in a nightmare state. Peter goes from nightmare to nightmare, seeing all of his enemies, seeing his family killed, and so on. Strange and Wong find Peter is in the dream dimension and will need help escaping before he is doomed to die. While Peter's dreams, where everyone he loves, blames him for letting their loved ones die. Strange shows up and forces Nightmare to reveal himself and is able to banish him after Nightmare turned into Strange Sr. and tries to control Strange Jr. Peter wakes up and runs out without his mask and heads home traumatized by the visions and ignores Mary Jane when she actually comes over for their fancy date. Which is sad because those kids deserve a fancy date. Mm Mm-hmm. (sighs) <sighs> fancy date times are good i went on one during vacation good for you luke mm-hmm. i tried new things and the manager copped us as a dessert nice mm-hmm. uh yeah so we have six stories to rank on our ultiversal queue list here and at the current top of the list is ultimate spider-man hollywood and at the bottom is Ultimate Iron Man, <laughs> the first part. 
which, uh, yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how these fall. So we are first putting on Ultimate X-Men The Tempest, which was not really good. Oh, no, that was a shit issue. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Spider- or how do you feel about it compared- how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, Spider-Man, and Wolverine, that first issue? Mm-hmm. Better. Uh, I don't know if I can put it above Ultimate, uh, Team-Up with Spider-Man and Man-Thing, because that one had the lizard, and while it wasn't great, it had the lizard and Man-Thing. Agreed. So then, does it go above or below the Ultimate Marvel Team Up Spider Man and Iron Man? No, I like the Iron Man one more. All that right. plot was that plot was more coherent. So then, our new number forty-two is Ultimate X Men: The Tempest, which makes it our lowest Ultimate X Men story. And they both had iconic panels. Yes, Ultimate X Men had the stares, and oh god, Ultimate the, Iron the Man teeth. had the smile. <laughs> teeth, teeth, teeth. <laughs> uh, we then have Ultimate Spider Man number sixty through sixty four, Carnage, aka Lil Ben. Lil Ben, and I it's it's like a standard Ultimate Spider Man story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as Venom, though. No. Uh, Just because the Carnage story is not concluded. Yeah, and it's more of like a horror story in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to uh, Return to Weapon X? I like Return to Weapon X more. Yeah. Like, that had some really good moments. So then we have... Uh, Ultimate X-Men number 15, It Doesn't Have to Be This Way, and Ultimate X-Men 20, Resignation. Uh, which were two of the standalone issues. Uh, it Doesn't Have to Be This Way, I believe, is the Xavier... Uh, it's like the news article or Bobby's letter, one of those two, and Resignation is where Xavier ends up quitting because he realizes that his dream is not good. Yeah, I think the other one was when it was happening at the newspaper article with uh, Magneto. Yeah. About the tickets. Uh, so is it better or worse than those? Um, I would say better. Okay, so right under Return to Weapon X as our new number 16. Carnage. We then have Detention, which is another Spider-Man single issue. And um, a very good one. Yes. I don't know if it is as good as... I don't know if it's the best one that we've had. No. Because um, it's not as good as Sidetracked, because that one was very good Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you feel about it? Okay, I. how do you feel about it compared to Cats and Kings? I don't feel like it's that strong. No, I would agree. Uh, how do you feel about it between uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, Power and Responsibility, and Fantastic Four, the Fantastic? I would put it under the first volume of Spider-Man, but above Fantastic Four. 
Alright, so our new number 10 is Detention. We then have 66 through 67. Even we don't believe this. The body swap story. I... I don't I mean, feel... Creepy Wolverine aside, the issue is fun, but it's not super... Well, and I think I and I think while it's fun, like um, no offense meant to Mark Bagley, he doesn't get a lot of the comedy done right. Like, can you imagine if Steve Lieber had drawn this like Steve Mm -hmm. Lieber uh, from Superior Foes who could turn the Spider-Man as Wolverine constantly cutting the phones into a good gag? Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's a fun premise, but the execution isn't great. Um, I don't think it's going to crack the top ten. How do you feel about it compared to Irresponsible, which was another one that didn't sort of hit the highs that we wanted it to? Um, I would say slightly below Irresponsible. Uh, right under that is the Ultimate Fantastic Four Doom. Uh, and then... All right, so our new number 23 is Even We Don't Believe This. We then have Popular, the fantastic, or the Human Torch crossover that took place in issues 68 through 69. Nice. Nice. And how do you feel about Popular? I like Or do we rank Popular? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good, like, development of... Both Spider-Man and Johnny Storm, and uh-huh. MJ even. Uh-huh. How do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Fantastic Four Volume 1, The Fantastic? It's better. Uh, I, I'd say it's better than Detention. Yeah. So then we're getting into other Spider-Man stories like Power and Responsibility. I think it's better than Cats and Kings, because Cats and Kings had some very mixed stuff. I would agree. I don't think it came together as well. I don't think I can put it above Ultimate Daredevil and Elektra, though. Okay. So that makes our new number eight popular. And then uh, we have Ultimate Spider-Man 70 through 71, Strange, which... It's all right. Aspects of it are very good. What? I said aspects of it are very good. But I don't think it's super strong throughout. I would agree. How do you feel about it compared to um, Ultimate X-Men World Tour? Uh, not as good. Uh, right under that is New Mutants. Which, better. I thought it was better. Yeah. yeah, so our new number 29 is Strange, which brings us up to the DC number 52. Nice. Yeah. Uh, It's it is a Spider-Man top heavy list that we've got here. And a lot of uh, Ultimate X-Men towards the middle and bottom. I mean, are you surprised? Not really. I mean, we haven't. We also, except for Ultimate Iron Man, have not gotten to anything actively wait no ultimate adventures was very bad Mm -hmm. but like only three comics have been we absolutely hate this like spider-man daredevil punisher 
and Ultimate Iron Man have a large gap between them. Yes. Where one was bad because it was stylistic stuff that didn't work, and the other is bad because it is incoherent, the art is not great, and it completely misunderstands and ruins the character. Yep. But also, I, I think Spider-Man was the clear standout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of the entire Ultimate Universe. But I don't think Ultimate X-Men sort of started... Or I think Ultimate X-Men is sort of the first book that comes off as the Ultimate Universe stereotype. Yes. With this arc. This can be a while before Hickman turns it around. Yep. But, um... Well, yeah, and then it just gets really weird and we get all the stuff with, like... Remember when there's the new Civil War? Where it's an actual Civil War between the country or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of wild stuff coming up. Oh, but yeah. But that won't be until, like, next year or whatever. But good news, though. We are only two volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man away from the time that Black Cat throws up on Peter's dick. Yay! <laughs> uh, yes, make sure to mark your calendars for our August, or no, for our September 1st episode where Black Cat's going to throw up on Spider-Man's dick. Uh, but Devin, do you know what we are covering next week? Some Ultimate Fantastic Four. No, next week we're not covering anything because we do alternating weeks Devin. oh you're you fool, right you've fallen from my trap but on our next episode the fantastic four are going to the end zone and gambit's going to meet the x-men for real this time and probably not going to talk about allison kraus probably not gambit is a man of constant sorrow uh but Devin, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at Fredo Fett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online at, at Coltrag, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Multiversal Q is a listener-sponsored podcast. How can you sponsor us? Uh, leave us reviews, give us feedback, leave comments on the website. Like, ask to see pictures of Black Cat throwing up on Spider-Man's dick early. We'll see what we can do to help you. Uh, do you think that we've gotten rankings wrong? Debate us! Debate us! Debate us! But yeah, uh, any feedback that you give helps us to improve this show that we are doing for you, the listener. Uh, you can find more about us at ultiversalq slash multiversalq.com. We have a Facebook page where, if you wouldn't mind liking that, it would help. Uh, we have a Tumblr, which I have not updated in several years. What? Um, yeah, well, Tumblr died. There's no more porn on it. I heard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, make sure to check out the website to see the image gallery that goes up with every episode. You can see our notes, so if you want to try and take a better run at the episode you can record using the script that I post for SEO purposes. And 
Uh, I think that wraps us up. Oh, we also have a Patreon that supports this podcast and Exiled, which wrapped up the Win a Day with Patches Arker, which wrapped up the Win a Day with Patches Walker arc last week. Uh, I think that that gets everything that we need. Uh, Devin? Yeah. R.I.P. our good friend Lil Ben, that scamp. Rip. And we will catch you all on the flip mode. Peace. Peace.